Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If it was all fixed up and everything, it would be worth around 100000 And I got it for 72000 Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and... This is a show where we cut out all the fluff. We get straight to the best real estate investing advice ever with our best ever guest. And the purpose is to compress, what, decades into days, or in this case, decades into 30 minutes or less. Um, because you know we we have busy lives, and I think it's important to kind of get straight to the core of what helps us move our real estate investing business forward. We've had Jay Papazon on the show from Keller Williams, one of the co-author of many best-selling books. We've had Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad. 
um, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, who after I got done talking to her, I just wanted to give her a big hug. I just love her to pieces. Great person. And now I am pleased and honored to say we have Nicole Williamson. How are you doing, Nicole? I'm good. Thank you. Well, Nicole is based in Baltimore, Maryland. She purchased two rental properties within six months of each other in 2012. And now she's got a total of six units in Baltimore County. And she's also got a full-time job um, working about 40 hours a week. And what we're going to talk about today is just kind of how she has gotten to this point with the six units, how she scaled from zero to two and two to six, and how she's doing it all, keeping her full-time job. She's got a blog you've got to check out. It's streamingrentalincome.com and non-real estate related, but interesting about her, she loves her pit bulls. She's got a big old picture on her Skype profile on pit bulls. She was writing about pit bulls before we started interviewing her bio, and uh, she volunteers at a local animal shelter down the road. And then she also loves cars, so cars and pit bulls. She works on her own cars as well. So with that being said, Nicole, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So. Right now, I'm, I'm focusing on buy and hold investments, and my end goal is probably similar to many others. Uh, I, I would love to be able to retire early and not be confined to that standard 40-hour office job. You know, half the time, you're not even really required. You, you don't even have to work that long, but you're required to be there to get the hours, and I feel like it's a waste of time, so I'm investing in real estate. And it's very exciting, and I've learned a lot just in the past few years. Well, I'm I'm glad that you've learned a lot because you've come to the right place to talk about what you've learned. When you started investing, you started investing in 2002, you purchased two properties within six months of each other. How did you finance those properties? Yes, um, it was actually in, in 2012. And to backtrack a little bit, in 2009 purchased my personal home and we had some extra bedrooms and we figured why not make a little cash on the side and rent these bedrooms out. Otherwise they're just sitting there empty, not really doing anything. And, um, our mortgage is about 2,800 a month. And for one bedroom, we're getting $700 a month. So if we were renting two bedrooms, we would be making half of our mortgage right there. And that doesn't even include the split utilities. It's not for everyone because some people feel like they're losing their privacy, but I have not felt that way at all. And it's been great, but we have scaled back to just renting one bedroom so that I have the other available for guests at any point. Since I learned a bit about landlording through the being a live-in landlord, decided to open up my own LLC. I did a lot of thinking and figured I don't want to have any rental properties in my own personal name nor my partner. So we opened up a new page LLC in 2012. And I talked to several local small banks. Um, I, I kind of figured from the get-go talking to a big bank wouldn't be very personal or helpful. So I just drove around town and talked to a few small banks. Even those, uh, some of them were robust. Up front, they'd say, we're investor friendly. Please come and talk to us. We're looking forward to helping you. And then I would come and talk to them and tell them what I, my plan is just to buy rentals, which really is fairly a standard plan. And they kind of backed off at it. So I found the one who would work with me, 
had to do a whole lot of paperwork, of course, the first time around. And I was afraid that they wouldn't give us a mortgage because the LLC was brand new. But I did open up checking accounts, saving accounts with them. And we did have to personally guarantee the mortgage. But that doesn't mean our name is on it. It just means if we were to foreclose, that they could come personally after us for the money owed. But it worked out great. I built a great relationship with this bank. And we closed on the first property. And within six months, I came back to that bank and said, hey, we're ready to do this all over again. And um, they had no problem with that. So we did that three times total because we have, there are two units, there are duplexes, two units each for these buildings. It's been a lot of work. And sometimes with the down payment, it's 20%. And this is a commercial loan. Sometimes I had to get a little creative. And I know not everybody would agree with me, but I did it. I did take out money from my 401k. And uh, of course, every you know general financial advisor is going to say, no, don't do that. You have the 10% penalty on top of this and that. Think about your future. <laughs> and I am, but I figured in the long term, in the long run, this is going to more than pay for that penalty because my properties are all cash flowing and uh, will only do better once I have less debt on them. So I did that wow. for another property. I also did a, uh, not a hard money loan, but I did a, a personal loan. Um, I knew of somebody who had some cash laying around and he wanted to get a better return than he was getting. And so I offered to pay him $100 a month for three years. I believe it was three years. And then at the end of that term, it was just a balloon payment. I just pay him back the entire loan. And that worked out great. It's been win-win for both sides. So it's been really fun figuring these things out. Um, but I would like to try something else where it's even, you know, less money out of my pocket, maybe like a subject to or, or seller finance or something like that. So that's my next goal. Wow. Every little subtopic you mentioned, we could go in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the four subtopics uh, and then we'll see if we have time to, to cover all of them. Okay. The first subtopic is renting out bedrooms in your primary residence. The second subtopic is getting an LLC, buying a property with an LLC and getting a mortgage through that LLC. The third is you mentioned the 20% down payment. You said it's a commercial loan. And then the fourth subtopic (laughs) is the property that you did with the personal loan. You've given me so much stuff to work with. I (laughs) I'm like, I'm like overstimulated right now. I got to figure out which direction we're going to go. Let's do all four. I want to get greedy, but we're going to have to go quick. Okay. So first one, rented bedrooms in your primary. Yes. You are were renting one for $700 a month. Plus you didn't even include the utilities that you're saving that they're paying for. Right. What type of agreement? Is that just like a normal uh, lease that you write up? Yeah. Uh, I just use a, a standard lease that, you know, reflects Maryland law. Um, it's a little different than the ones I used for my business one. That's not quite as involved, but yeah, it's definitely a written lease with everybody. Okay. And how many bedrooms is your home and what's the square footage? The house is four bedrooms, even though one is so small, it's embarrassing to call a bedroom. And square footage total, I don't know, about, I don't know, 2,700. Okay. Where are these strangers living in your home? (laughs) How far away from your bedroom are they? 
Well, it's interesting because our house is very open floor concept. And one thing I learned in my from my next house that I buy is the layout plan. My master bedroom is right off the kitchen, which sometimes is annoying. But I've always felt comfortable. I've never felt like it's been too loud or anything like that. All the people we've had renting with us have, you know, there have been professionals working, you know, office jobs, or uh, we had a nanny stay with us, or um, someone in the Air Force. So, you know, really good people. And some of them we've become great friends with. So you come home from work, and what's dinner look like? Does everybody just fend for themselves? Or like, do you take turns? What? How does that happen? I guess it, it kind of depends on the person and the personality and how things just develop. We've had a roommate or two who we've become so close with that, yeah, we would sometimes just all cook dinner together or say if I cooked, because I like cooking, they would clean up or vice versa. Um, other ones have been a lot more quiet into themselves. So they kind of just hang out in the room a lot more than others. And, and that was fine too. So it just kind of depends on the person and how things develop. And are you married? No, I'm not, but I do live with my fiance. And what's your fiance think about all this? Oh, he's on board. He's been, you know, part of this with me from day one. I'm just kind of more, especially on the business side, I'm, I'm more the face of the business where he kind of helps with background stuff. Is there any insurance that you have to take out additionally that you wouldn't have if you weren't renting out your bedrooms? Not that we're required. I'm sure I could, but honestly, we haven't. Not for our personal home. Anything else we should talk about as far as the renting rooms that I didn't ask? I'd say, you know, if you're open to it, definitely give it a try. You can make your leases as short or as long as you want. So if you're afraid of, you know, feeling like you have no privacy, but you still want to try it, just do, you know, month to month leases right from the get go. That's actually what we're doing now. We used to commit to a whole year, but now right off the bat, we're only month to month. And that way, you can end the lease at any time. And have you considered just using Airbnb? I have, but I, you know, we've had, it's mostly for kind of short term for that. And, you know, we were looking a little more long term in general. And uh, I've had no problem finding people. Uh, we've used roommates.com, Craigslist, and even, you know, the boards at work where you can post things for sale or for rent and things like that. And why longer term if you could make more money and I'm not saying you could but mm-hmm. if you could make more money through Airbnb you know kind of like three four days a pop why not that versus you know what you're saying a month or six months or a year that's a good question um, I guess I you know I could look into that seeing what I could get for rent on a daily or weekly basis but it's a little more upkeep I would imagine I have to more often actively look for people or, or answer their emails and questions. And then being that it is my personal home, that's even more people I have to vet and be sure that I trust living in my home. How many bathrooms do you have? Three. Okay. Yeah. So you and your fiance have one and then the other two yeah. guests have their own. Yeah, there's one in our basement, which is finished. And then there's one also upstairs that's just a you know, general in the hallway bathroom that they share and are in charge of keeping clean. Okay. Next subtopic. And I usually don't have all these subtopics and I just, I love this. Next subtopic is you opened up your own LLC and you got a mortgage with a bank. I used to think you couldn't do that till about 
10 minutes ago when you said that's what you did. I always thought that if you bought a property, then you'd have to have it in your name because banks wanted to go after you, not some shell of a corporation. But you you broke that notion that I used to think. (laughs) And you said, and the key is that you're personally guaranteeing the mortgage. So the, the net net result is you're still personally guaranteeing it but you get the benefit of having the property in an LLC and not your personal name, which is awesome. Yes. And, you know, like I said, I did have to shop around, but I think the key is uh, small local banks and going in person and having, you know, some numbers written down, some paperwork in a true concrete plan, like you know what you're talking about, even if you don't, um, <laughs> and just sit down face-to-face and talk to them because, when you call on the phone or especially if you email, it's too easy for them to kind of just brush you off. And I don't know if they have changed their policy lately at this particular bank because a couple people actually from Bigger Pockets have contacted this bank by phone and basically been told, no, we don't do that. So I don't know if it's because they called rather than going in person or if they truly have changed their policy. But I would suggest, you know, even if you're told no, just keep looking around. You'll find someone, I'm sure. And what's the name of the bank? Susquehanna Bank. It's in Maryland, Pennsylvania, I think Delaware. How do you spell that? S-U-S-Q-U-E-H-A-N-N-A. Okay. And yeah, for the best ever listeners, I mean, it's it's about liability is essentially what what we're talking about. And if you have it in an, in an LLC, as I'm sure all the best ever listeners know, but if you have an LLC, then you personally cannot be held liable for, for things if a resident trips and falls. They can only go after the LLC and not you and your finances. Whereas if you have it in your own name, then you're personally liable. There's ways to mitigate that risk by having liability coverage on your property, and I have that on my properties, where you can be covered upwards to however much money you want, like a million bucks. So if someone trips and falls and they sue you, then they sue you, then you're covered up to a million dollars. But that's nice. But what's even better is if you have an LLC that owns the property. Yeah, I just kind of like the separation. And as I'm sure you and all the best ever listeners know, it's a debate that just is never ending. You know, LLC versus just having insurance in place. And so it's a personal decision. Yeah, it's just it's just another layer of protection. It's just it's just like being super super safe instead of just super safe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. The third thing, you said the twenty percent down was a commercial loan. Why was it a commercial loan? It was commercial loan just because it was in my LLC, and that was the only reason. Got it. Got it. Is moving out of your primary and renting that completely and then renting and moving into a one to four or two to four unit something you're considering or are you sticking with this approach that you've had so far? Right now sticking with this approach I think I like me and my fancy both like cars too much to be able to find a multi-unit that would have the garage space we need (laughs) (laughs) but we definitely have thrown around the idea of eventually moving out of this house, but keeping it and renting the whole house out and just purchasing another place. And you said the 401k, if you take money out of it, that's a 10% penalty. 
when you were taking the money out of the 401k, did you come across advisors that were were telling you, hey, don't do this? And what initially was your conversation with them when they were telling you that? I guess a lot of them are geared towards, you know, the general idea of this is your 401k. This is like precious to you and you should never be touching this. Uh, this is this is your one and only retirement type of thing. And and I get it. I do. But I didn't even really want to fully explain why I was doing it because all they would do is continue trying to talk me out of it. And that's just not my goal. And I understand the penalties going in and I'm willing to take the penalty for the long run. So I, I kind of just moved ahead anyways, even though they told you what most of them will tell you, don't do that. You're going to have all these penalties and it's not worth it. But to me, it was worth it. And then lastly, before we get your best ever advice, you said you got another property where you did a personal loan and you're paying this gentleman $100 a month for three years. And at the end, there's a balloon payment. Yeah. How much is a balloon payment? It was only $20,000 because that was to also help me get some of my down payment because I didn't want to do any more out of my 401k and I didn't want to do out of my pocket. So I offered him that deal and and he definitely liked it. So we did that. How are you? This was to buy a buy and hold property, correct? Yes. And um, I was also probably pretty lucky that I was able to borrow funds for my down payment on a mortgage because if I understand, most banks want to see or a lot of banks want to see that you've had that cash for a while. Whereas I literally cashed my check, you know, a few days before closing and and then showed up with that money and they didn't ask where it came from or anything like that. Yeah, that's, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's a major advantage to buying it through an LLC versus buying it through your name because you just need to have funds appear in the LLC versus if it's in your name, they want to know where the money came from. If you borrowed it, do you have to pay that person back? The main question I have, though, on this, if it's a buy and hold and you're making a balloon payment in three years, then where are you getting that money? I would understand if you're doing a flip, you get the money, you, you maybe, you, or a major rehab. The flip, you obviously, when you sell, you get your money and, and pay them uh, and keep the difference. With the major rehab, you'd put some money into it, then you'd get it appraised, it appraised for a higher value, you put long-term financing on it, and then you get some money out, pay him back, and then keep it long-term. But if it's not a major rehab, it's not a flip, then where are you getting the 20K? Mostly from the cash flow over the next three years, because it is cash flowing pretty well, and I've had some savings in place on top of that. So between you know unexpected repairs that kind of dig into that, the cash flow helps build back up my savings and I'll be ready to pay him. How much is it cash flow in a month? Because I just did some quick numbers and it would need the cash flow $555 a month for three years to get to that 20000 not including the $100 a month payment. So how, how much is it cash flowing now? If you're just calculating the, the mortgage payment and every monthly payment, it is cash flowing about, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's around 600 Wow. And then do you manage it yourself? Yeah, I do. You manage it yourself. What are the other expenses that you've got? Insurance, taxes? Yeah. 
Well, definitely, you know, definite every month would be, of course, the insurance, taxes, water. And then I, even though it's, I'm not technically paying every month, I, I pay myself for vacancies or evictions, repairs that seem to come in rainstorms or nothing at all. Let's see what else. So basically, you've got, you've got some money coming in from this, plus you're saving money outside of this income and putting it into an account that's... Mm-hmm that's accruing to the 20k that you need and then your whole approach is I'm helping this property's helping me pay for itself and acquire it long term and I don't care if I'm uh, having to come out of pocket on a monthly basis because I'm sure as heck not having to come out of pocket that 20k initially that I would have if I'm not doing this approach yeah and when I started the business we had startup money and that's really helped pad everything but I don't want to deplete all that just to have the down payment. I Maybe it was the wrong path, uh, but that's what I chose to do is just borrow the 20K and then pay it back over the three years or three years. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, you have opened my world up in many different ways on this call. This is great. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'd say as a landlord, since that's my main focus, Especially when you have rentals that are like in a C-class area, you need to be firm but fair with your tenants. You know, don't let your tenants make their problem your problem. For instance, if, you know, they're late with the rent, I would give them one one time per year, I'll waive the late fee. But after that, you're going to have to pay the late fee. So, you know, they, they might get upset and say, well, I lost my job and this and that, you know. I had to choose or, yeah, I had to choose between paying rent and paying my speeding ticket or whatever it was that they say, I, I'm sorry, that's not, I don't mean to sound heartless, but that's not my problem. And you have to just follow through with your lease or you will lose a lot of money. And early on in your business, when you have possibly the most debt that you'll ever have, you have to make sure that you're cash flowing and you have to be firm. Completely agree. I have have learned that firsthand through the apartment communities that I've got, where if if you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> you know you you better be careful because they're gonna keep coming back for more. So you really have to be firm but fair and set those expectations. Yeah. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Nicole, what's the best ever book you've read? Well, I'd say in the beginning for inspiration, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book to really get you inspired and start opening up your mind to a whole different mindset than, than you've ever you know, thought of before. But another book that I really liked is called Real Estate Investing Loopholes. And um, this book will tell you a lot of you know information about different entities, whether you want to open... A LLC or a C Corp and the difference between all these types of entities talks about trusts as well. And I think it's just a really good book with a lot of information that you can highlight and refer to and maybe make some action on at some point. 
best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I guess in general, I've, I've definitely grown on regarding tenants and figuring out what, what is priority and what is not. Uh, what I'm going to allow to stress me out and what I won't or what I will. For a while, I've had, I had tenants you know, calling me too late at night for silly things. I would get extremely stressed out. You know, it was starting to affect me and it's starting to get conditioned that anytime I got a text message or a phone call, it had to be bad news. And I'm like, this, this is not right. This is not what I, I should be feeling. So I kind of put more distance. I've learned that everything's going to be okay. If it's truly a big problem, you deal with it and it is what it is. But if a tenant is going to call you at nine o'clock at night because they're angry that somebody upstairs is walking around too loud. I've learned to not answer those kind of complaints too quickly because if you make yourself too available, it sounds terrible, but they start demanding more. So if I get a text message at nine o'clock at night complaining about something like that, I purposely will not answer until maybe the next day. It won't be a generic answer at that. Besides that, recently I learned also how to professionally and calmly deal with other landlords and owners. One of my units is an end unit, row home, and has a pitched roof, and it overhangs the flat roof of the next door neighbor. So it's an encroachment, and I didn't notice this when I purchased it. The guy who bought this property didn't notice it when he purchased it. The previous owner used to own both of those buildings, and he was having some kind of roof issue at, at one point, and instead of just, I don't know why he couldn't just fix the roof properly, he rebuilt his pitched roof to overhang the firewall of the building and he figured well I own the next building so who cares I'm not gonna put any easement into place or anything like that so basically this guy got a hold of me and said that my roof was causing his roof damage and that if he was going to allow that roof to stay I owed him $1,500 which was half of the cost of his roof replacement which I really think was just another layer of that rubber material put down. I don't think it was a tear off. So it was a big thing forever. I learned about title insurance and, and um, I grew in the fact that I had to have a lot of patience and persistence with the title insurance company because for months and months they kept trying to kind of, you know, dust me off their shoulder and hoping that I wouldn't just go away. But I was trying to get this taken care of. I don't want this guy to decide to take me to court and then a have the bad luck of a judge telling me I have to tear my roof off and rebuild it. So if he wants $1,500, he can get it. But the title insurance finally came through. They gave me $1,500. We wrote up an easement that we both agreed on. And that is, for the most part, behind me. But I've learned a lot about that and how to just deal with other landlords as well as other tenants. Best ever deal you've done? I guess the best deal would probably be my latest two units. The property, if it was all fixed up and everything, would be worth around a hundred thousand. And I got it for seventy two thousand, which probably isn't the best deal that some people could get, but I did learn one thing and that was to uh, have any in place tenants out if they were on a month to month lease before I closed. And I made it lead free, which is a big thing in Baltimore. Um, all my properties are lead free and rented out each unit gets eight thirty-five a month, and a couple of them, or actually both of them, have pets, so it's actually eight fifty a month per unit in that property. So it's a pretty good deal. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'd say 
that I am excited to start looking for my next property, hopefully doing like a subject to or something with no, with no money out of pocket. That would be really exciting to me. And um, actually near two of my rentals, I've seen a couple of properties that look like they're empty and in need of some love. So I was considering trying to find the owners of those properties and reaching out to them and see if I can secure a deal with them. Other than that, I'm excited to hopefully within the next couple years or so start investing in the Tampa area in Florida. I just, I like the area. It's, it's a great real estate area, have family there. And I think it's pretty important to not have my entire portfolio in one small area. Kind of diversify if you want to say that. Best ever way you like to give back? I really enjoyed um, helping. There's a neighborhood committee in one of my rentals neighborhoods. They've really been trying to clean up that area. It's not it's not a terrible area, but it's definitely had a reputation. And this committee is big on cleaning it up. And I have helped them with different volunteer activities. Like uh, they have a big cleanup day. So whenever the residents want to get rid of big items, it's hard to throw away like an old couch or TV. We go out and, and we pick that stuff up for the residents and we rent a really big dumpster and haul it away for them. Other than that, I just really enjoy helping other people who haven't done their first deal yet and have a lot of questions. And I love to answer those questions for them. And especially since I know a lot about Baltimore County rental law, um, I'm happy to help with those questions. What would you say so far is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I'd say the biggest mistake I made so far is uh, trusting my contractors and or handyman too much. I had a handyman who did a lot of work for me and he was pretty good, but for some something was changing with him and he was starting to become really unreliable, not showing up for jobs and it's getting really frustrating all for me, but my tenants, because my, my tenants are sticking around the house waiting for this guy to show up, he doesn't show up or he starts a job and he just leaves and doesn't finish. And um, a time or two, I paid him Luckily, it wasn't big, but still, I paid him for jobs that he didn't complete. And it was totally my fault, and I trusted him too much because, you know, he had built that trust with me, and then it just all it just all went away after that, unfortunately. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? I'd say the best ever place to reach me would be through two things. Um, my blog, of course, which is streamingrentalincome.com. And my email is streamingrentalincome at gmail.com. Nicole, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice to the best ever listeners. You have opened up my eyes on a couple different things. One, the the rentals, uh, as I mentioned, kind of buying a rental with the LLC. And you are personally guaranteeing the mortgage, so check that box. But just being able to find a bank that will do that. And for the best ever listeners, portfolio lenders, so community banks and credit unions will be the place to go for that. Yes. And go in person and talk to them. And go in person. Don't just send that email. Exactly. Don't just call them up. The second is renting out your bedrooms. And uh, some of the best ever listeners might be thinking, well, Airbnb is huge. What's so surprising? I guess what surprised me is that she didn't do it through the Airbnb route. And I guess that's kind of why it, it, it took me a second. But I think Airbnb could be a way to go for you and even get more cash flow for the property 
for you, we'll call it a property for your home and be able to make more money and have that as as additional income there. And then I'd say the third thing is the commercial loans that you're doing for the properties. And with those commercial loans, one of the, well, and a disadvantage is you might not be getting the best loan terms, um, although I don't know that for certain, but an advantage, and, but what I mean by that is interest rate and, and percent down. But uh, I'd say it's fairly typical to have 20% down on investment property, so the percent down is actually par for course. What I'd say is the advantage is what you mentioned earlier, and that's you can get loans to purchase these properties and uh, you're able to put them in your personal portfolio versus if you were buying them with your own money or more relevant, I guess, with your under your own name, then they'd want to follow that, that trail of where the money came from. And you, you wouldn't be able to essentially borrow to borrow, which is what you're doing. You're, you're borrowing money to borrow money. Yeah, and you know some of the some best ever listeners might be like, damn, that's risky. <laughs> and it, you know, there is a there is a layer of risk. There's, yeah. you know, it's it's risky to first get a mortgage on an investment property, but what you're doing is you're getting a mortgage on a mortgage. You're getting you know a loan to get a loan for the investment property. So you know, there's there's another layer of risk, and I think it's important for us to to point that out. But at the same time. You know, it's 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 a calculated risk, and it's it's a risk that you're willing to take. And um, you know, I think it it sounds like you've got that system in place. And um, as long as the market cooperates, then it sounds like it's it's going to be a good deal. And then the fourth thing is getting on that note is getting another property through that personal loan, which we talked about. So thanks so much for being on the show. Wonderful conversation, and thanks for sharing your advice. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much.